Welcome to Seeing Mind to Mind, All Things Mental Health. I'm Anastasia Doulis, Clinical Mental Health Counselor. Life can be tough. This is a podcast about surviving and thriving when life throws you curveballs. Here's a confession. I consider myself an EMDR therapist through and through. But there was a time that I thought it sounded ridiculous and hokey, and I actually put off my training far longer than I should have because I was skeptical that there was this therapy out there that could actually help people get better more quickly than what I was already doing, which was dialectical behavior therapy and cognitive behavior therapy, both of which are great, um, but... What I noticed, and the reason that I finally went to EMDR training is I was doing all of this work with clients, this beautiful work with clients, and they were working so hard. They were coming in, they were working on their trauma, they were working on substance abuse, they were working on anxiety, depression, postpartum depression, you name it, they were coming in with it. They were working so hard, and we could get them to a point of some relief, but we just couldn't get them over the hump the place where their symptoms went away. And after working with some clients for years, I thought to myself, well, they say this EMDR thing works. I guess I'll go and give it a shot. So I'm the participant in my EMDR training who's sitting there listening to the lecture and thinking to myself, "Eh, we'll see. We'll see if this works. Well, in the afternoon of the training, uh, they had us break into groups and we had to practice EMDR on each other. So of course, what I chose to target, which is one of the one of the words that we use in EMDR therapy, the memory I chose to target was actually being in the practicum at the training and really not enjoying myself in terms of having to be in a training on a weekend and also having somebody observe me performing this EMDR therapy on another clinician in the practicum. So I bring up my memory. We, we start the work, we start the EMDR work and oh my goodness, how quickly my mind changed. All of a sudden, my brain goes back to childhood, to this memory that I hadn't thought of in years about performance, about feeling less than, about nothing horrific, but just this adverse life experience that I had had as a child. All of a sudden, I'm the person crying at the training, and there were others as well, but this is what I wanted to avoid. And as we continued to work, I started to feel better. Driving away from the training that day, I kind of checked in with myself. I checked in with the memory that I had reprocessed. And I was shocked to discover I wasn't feeling any disturbance or anxiety about it. The next day I returned to the training, check in with myself, still no disturbance. Where there had been plenty. Today, that day, the second day of the training, I find myself looking forward to the practicum that afternoon. Which I found really interesting because I do not like to be observed. I have performance anxiety about 
people watching me do therapy, or I did in the past anyway. And so in that practicum, in the practicum that afternoon, I found I did better as a client. I did better as a therapist. I keep checking in with this memory. And even as I'm talking to you now, I'm checking in with this adverse life event that had impacted me from child to adult that had caused me such anxiety around performance. And I still cannot pull up any disturbance. I don't have any anxiety about it. And this was back in 2011. It's the end of 2019. So we're talking eight years and nothing is left. I can still remember the the adverse life event. I haven't lost memory, but there's no charge to it. So what is EMDR? EMDR stands for eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. I know it's a mouthful, and that's why we shorten it to EMDR. Francine Shapiro developed EMDR and began developing this wonderful therapy, this comprehensive therapy in 1987. She came up with the adaptive information processing model, which states that symptoms that clients, that human beings, let's say this, that symptoms that human beings experience are a result of maladaptively stored information. That at any time in life, we can experience some sort of adverse life event. And there's a spectrum. We, it could be mild. It could be something, some message that we repeatedly got in school, for example. Um, or something really big, like a, a natural disaster, a car accident, abuse. It could be anything. And what happens at the time of an adverse life event or a at a time when a person becomes overwhelmed or underwhelmed, the nervous system in its state of overwhelm or hyperarousal or its state of underwhelm or hypoarousal, also known as shutdown, at that moment, the brain no longer considers that we need to process information. So the information processing parts of the brain essentially shut down because in hyper and hypoarousal, an organism is in survival mode and those information processing parts of the brain are not necessary. So the adaptive information processing model stating that symptoms are caused by maladaptively stored information that occur at the time of trauma or adverse life event or hyper or hypoarousal is stating that we have memory that is stored in the wrong place in the brain and is stored in a fragmented way. So instead of being this cohesive narrative, like last Tuesday for breakfast, I had a glass of orange juice and toast and eggs. Not a big deal, right? I can tell you that story. There's no emotional charge. It's a narrative. As opposed to a trauma narrative, which tends to be fragmented, which tends to be overwhelming, or on the other end of things, people tend to numb out when they tell their stories. They can't necessarily necessarily tell the story in chronological order. It, it's not a narrative because it's stored in fragments. The, the fragments of information that we take in, the fragments of memory that we're really looking at in EMDR therapy are sensory information. So what we see, hear, smell, taste, touch, body sensation, emotion, and cognition. So these are the pieces of memory that we're 
targeting or looking at an EMDR therapy. And when somebody has been traumatized on either end of the spectrum, whether it's mild traumatization all the way up to full-blown PTSD, I'm seeing that people tell their stories in a fragmented way. Think about something that still bothers you from childhood, and you probably start feeling a lot like you did then. Why? Because the fragments of memory are still in the, the place in the brain that never got moved. So the, the information comes into the brain and then it like comes to a standstill. It doesn't get digested all the way through. It's like you tried to swallow a steak whole. Your stomach can't digest that. So what do you get? You get a standstill in the digestive system. And this is what's happening in the brain. So what we're doing in EMDR therapy, and the thing that people really find weird, what I found weirdest about EMDR therapy are the eye movements or the bilateral stimulation. So when we're doing EMDR therapy and we're looking at the components of memory, we're, we're asking people to bring up these components of memory as they're stored now. And we start bilateral stimulation. Now there's a lot more to it. This is actually an eight phase therapy. It's a comprehensive psychotherapy. Only three of the eight phases involve bilateral stimulation. So the other five phases, we're talking. We're talking like we always have. We're talking about the history. We're preparing people. We're giving them coping skills. We're doing all the things we've always done in therapy. But we're adding these three phases and we're adding bilateral stimulation so that the parts of the brain that had to shut down at the time of an adverse event can start working the way that they were supposed to. It's essentially like those parts of the brain start to digest the pieces of memory, work them through, and file them away in the correct part of the brain so when the person brings up the memory again, it doesn't bother them. Now when I say bilateral stimulation, let me be really specific about what I'm talking about. I'm asking people to follow my fingers back and forth, right to left, or I'm having them hold these buzzer things that buzz in the left hand and then the right hand and they keep alternating back and forth, or my clients are wearing headphones and they're beeping in the right ear or the left ear. And there are a lot of other ways we can do bilateral stimulation, but the idea behind it is we're trying to activate left hemisphere, right hemisphere, left hemisphere, right hemisphere. Now we don't know exactly why it's working, but what we do know is that it's very similar to REM sleep. In REM sleep, you're moving your eyes back and forth really fast. In dream sleep, also known as REM sleep, you're also resolving information. So this is not hypnosis. This is not taking person into a trance. This is about a person looking at a memory and being present in the therapy room. So having one foot in the past and one foot in the present. And the bilateral stimulation seems to help both left and right hemisphere to communicate better, helps the information processing parts of the brain, basically you know, the teeth and the stomach of the brain, to chew up and to digest this information and file it away. People who have had adverse life events that still cause them stress, if you can imagine, their brains probably look like if there was a visual, and this is what my brain looked like prior to EMDR therapy. It, if, I, if I thought of stressful events, it was like there were all these papers just scattered around and it was overwhelming to think about. After EMDR therapy, even as I'm talking to you now, as I said, 
if I bring up the, the memories that I have targeted that used to cause me distress, it's, it's like they've been filed in a file folder in a file filing cabinet and I can close the filing cabinet and if I want to recall the memory, I can. So we're not erasing memories. Um, that's one of the myths about EMDR therapy. We're not erasing memories. We can still access them, but they don't have the same emotional charge. They don't own you. They don't own you like maybe they once did. So originally, EMDR was developed to treat PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder, which happens when a person experiences a, a highly overwhelming traumatic event and then has symptoms such as nightmares and sleep disturbance and flashbacks and, and, and a slew of other symptoms. But over the last 30 years that this has been around, that EMDR has existed, we've had a lot of really solid research come out. And we have found that it is also effective in treating anxiety and panic, depression, eating disorders, phobias, life stressors. I have people come in because they're stressed out. We use EMDR. It's amazing what it does. Dissociative disorders, uh, performance issues, pain, sleep issues, substance abuse, personality disorders, any adverse life event. Uh, the, I, I haven't found a client yet with whom I have not been able to use EMDR. EMDR has been really effective. Now, this isn't the magic bullet. Let me be really clear about that. That doesn't mean that you're going to come in and in three sessions you're going to be cured of all of your all of the things that bother you. That's not the case. This is still a comprehensive psychotherapy. A good EMDR therapist is going to do a thorough history and evaluate you and figure out what what is the best path to go, what is the best treatment plan in order to help you to reduce symptoms as soon as possible and then resolve symptoms. Uh, they're going to prepare you for it. And then they're going to get into the meat of the work, which is when we activate the memory, we desensitize it, we install a positive cognition, and we make sure that your body is clear. So this is not, it doesn't mean quick therapy, but it means quicker therapy. So people that I may have worked with, for example, one of my more extreme cases, um, somebody I may have worked with for 15 years, I'll probably see for seven or eight. And that's an extreme case. That's like extreme on the end of the spectrum of, of very severe abuse. I have other clients who come in who don't have as much abuse, and, and I might see them for a couple of years. I have other people who can come in and maybe they have a single traumatic event that they need to reprocess, and we might be done in six to eight sessions, maybe ten. So it's quicker, but the thing I really, really love about it is it's so thorough. Like I said, eight years have passed since I have been trained and I'm still trying to bring up that memory from my part one training and yes it's there and I don't have any anxiety or disturbance. A resource I want you to be aware of is emdria.org that is our international association the EMDR International Association emdria.org uh, there you can see the latest and greatest in EMDR therapy. You can read the research studies. They're going to give you more information um, than maybe you got in this podcast today. There, you're going to see who's doing what, who is researching EMDR therapy, what are the latest articles, 
Uh, what is it? What are people using it to treat now? What are therapists using it to treat? You're also going to see that you can search for a therapist, an EMDR therapist in your area, which is really nice. So I would direct you to that resource. If you're a skeptic, the good news is it still works. <laughs> I was a skeptic, as I said, at my part one. And my favorite clients, I mean, all of my clients are my favorite. But um, it's when I have a client come in who's a skeptic, it still works. That's what's so cool about this is we kind of bypass all the defenses of the brain, um, all of the skepticism, even very healthy skepticism. And we're getting down to the nervous system level. We're allowing the brain to heal naturally. It's, it's like someone comes in with an abscess that they haven't cleaned out and the therapist is essentially helping them to clean out that abscess so that the body can naturally heal because your brain knows how to heal. It knows how to digest information. It just needs a little bit of a help, a little bit of help. And that's what EMDR seems to do. To all of my fantastic listeners, I am thrilled you're here. I am thrilled you're listening. I'm hoping you're getting something from this. Uh, please know that this is not a replacement for psychotherapy. Help is available. If you or someone you know is struggling, please call 1-800-273-TALK, T-A-L-K. You've been listening to Seeing Mind to Mind, a podcast designed to help you navigate life's challenges. We'd love you to subscribe, rate us, or toss us a review. A big thank you to our sponsor, Lifestone Counseling Centers. And until next time, hang in there. You've got this.